We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm winding down here in Boston as Randall takes it inside and banks it in. So Randall, Barrett, and Brunson all hit the 20-point mark once again. Score not indicative of the game. Celtics win it, 133 to 123. Boston now 10-0 here at TD Garden, 16-5 overall. KP, another triumph. All righty. Uh, apologies for the technical difficulties off to a slightly later start than usual. Um, perhaps, perhaps much like the Knicks tonight. Um, Knicks lose uh, their game against the Boston Celtics, the first ever in-season tournament consolation game. So they, they bear that notable distinction. Uh, 133 to 123, uh, a final score that may or may not be a bit deceiving. We'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. A um, couple couple things I want to get out of the way before I, I hit on some bigger stuff in regards to this game and and about the season as a whole, because I feel like it's, it's warranted. Um, for one... Um, this was a, it was a starting lineup change tonight for anybody who may have uh, missed the game. Quentin Grimes out, Dante Vincenzo in. Uh, long story short, because I'm sure we're going to talk about it throughout the night, I don't think it had any impact on the final outcome of this game. I thought, if anything, it helped them stay pretty close in the first half because Grimes' minutes were excellent. It's the best Grimes has looked probably since the Bucks game, uh, not the last one, the one, the one before that where he hit, I think he was like five of 10 from three seemed to revitalize Grimes. Um, you know, he, he had, it wasn't a perfect game from Quentin Grimes, but it was a, a the easily like the, he, the most he's looked like Quentin Grimes all season. As far as DiVincenzo in the starting five, um, I, I thought he was fine. Uh, as for like, was he the reason that their defense was what it was tonight? Uh, no, um, not saying it had no impact, but wasn't because of that. Their defensive performance was not because of that rotation switch. So that's the first thing. Second thing, a couple injury notes. First of all, Mitchell Robinson uh, reportedly seen going into the x-ray room at halftime. Um, Hardenstein started the second half. Mitch came in, played for a bit. Didn't look great. Came out and I think Hardenstein played the final, I don't know, the final how many exactly minutes of this game. 
Um, Mitch played 19 total minutes, Hardenstein 29. I, I, it felt like Hardenstein played the entire fourth quarter, maybe a little bit of the end of the third as well. I honestly don't remember, but uh, Bears watching. And then in the final minute of this one, when the game was pretty much, uh, not pretty much, when the game was no longer in question, the result was no longer in question, Jalen Brunson stepped back on um, uh, some Celtic player's ankle uh, as he was, uh, someone was taking a free throw. Seems to twist his ankle. Um, didn't look terrible, but he came up obviously in a lot of pain and hobbling. Uh, we, I, as I'm sitting here, you know, ten minutes after the game ended, I have no insight onto how severe the injury is. I'm sure it'll come up that he shouldn't have been in the game. Uh, it is what it is, you know. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have been in the game, but we, we've been here before, sadly. Um, so hopefully he'll be fine and good to go for uh, the Toronto game on Monday. Uh, all right, now let's zoom out. We'll, 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 I mean, still stick with the game, but like kind of bigger picture stuff. I think how you take this game and how you take the in-season tournament results in general um, is sort of, and I, I, I have used this term before, is a Rorschach test for how you view this team. Um, if you came into the season thinking and over the course of their start to the season uh, were emboldened to believe that this is a wolf in sheep's clothing, that nobody's talking them about them as a contender, but they really are kind of a quiet sleeper contender of some kind, then I imagine that the last two games have been massively uh, disappointing. And that's actually not even a strong enough word. I, I'm sure you're like, what, what the fuck? what has happened to this basketball team that I thought was very good. And now I think is not very good. And I think if you're someone that thought like, okay, this is a good team is a very good team that is decidedly outside the inner circle of uh, contenders in the NBA. You probably watched these two games with a, a little bit more of a forgiving eye. I mean, and we'll, again, I'm, I'm we're getting to the defense very soon. But like there was a point in this game where the Celtics were just like doing what the Celtics do. And there's a reason why I said before the season, I thought the Celtics were going to win 60 plus games. I was convinced they would have the best record in basketball during the regular season. Like you saw why tonight, um, like they when they get going, it's just they are a fucking bear to stop. And the Bucs, to their credit, were a bear to stop, especially when they were hitting threes and the Celtics. They ended up tonight hitting 19 of 47 for a 40% clip. It was actually more impressive than that during the relevant portion of the game. Uh, they were hanging around like 46, 47, 48% until I think the start of the fourth quarter. And it was just like, it did look effortless at times. Um, and the Knicks, and, and to say nothing of what the Celtics were able to do on the other end, the fact that the Knicks put up 123 points tonight is actually pretty impressive against what I think at full strength was probably the best defense in the NBA, uh, Boston. So that's the thing that I wanted to open with. Now, with all that being said, even if you are in the second camp, which I kind of am in, it was difficult to watch this game and the Milwaukee game from the perspective of like, we should be able to hang with these teams at the very least. And yes, this gets into, well, did they hang with the Celtics tonight? This was a seven point game with uh, about six minutes left to go. Six, six, six and change. I think they got it to 119 and 112. 
and then they proceeded to go the next three and a half minutes without scoring a basket. Uh, you figure they keep the offense, they keep the foot on the gas during that stretch. Maybe who knows? This actually is a game with real crunch time minutes. Uh, so like, I do want to honor that because like, look, a seven point game with six and a half minutes to go. It, you can't, it is what it is. You can't really fake it. It's not like they were down by a billion and then the Celtics took their foot off the gas. Like they, you know, they hung around, they hung around just enough and they made a little run and it ended up being all for not, but like, even putting that out there, the feeling of this game, the feeling you had as a Nick fan watching this game is like, man, we're not in this game. We're not going to win this game. This is not a game where, where we have any business of winning. And they didn't have any business of winning this game um, because they had they got ran rough shot over on defense. And again, it's it's impossible to have like people are going to be ah, the effort wasn't there. And I'm sure all the Knicks at their lockers and Thibodeau was going to say, well, you know, yeah, it's on us. We have to try harder. We have to it has to mean more for us. And, it, and we have to put our pride on the line. That is part of it. It is a big part of it. But I also feel like I cannot disentangle that part of it from the larger concept for, for me, at least. Of like, this team has one way of playing defense, and it is they do not switch their fives. They want their fives to be able to hang back close to the basket, and they'll switch everything else, uh, but they are going to do everything in their power to not switch their fives. And when you play that way, and you don't just have a defense that can pivot to a switch anything, everything defense, um, and you face a team like this that is capable of what this team is doing, and the Bucs as well, and that team is on and that team is 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 firing on all cylinders you can get made to look really stupid and they got made to look really stupid tonight and they got made to look really stupid against the bucks the other night and there is this chicken or egg question is like well if the effort was higher then the Celtics and Bucks would have never gotten comfortable and then they would have never done that but then you go back to like well in order for this scheme to work, and this is what I'm sure Thibodeau would say, he may say it in front of a mic, he may say it privately. Anytime you ask him about any scheme question, he always is going to have the same response. Um, was the execution there and was the effort there? And this scheme can work. We've seen it work. Recently, we've seen it work. But it to, for it to work, you have to have maximum execution and maximum effort across the board on defense, because other than your center, who may be hurt now, you don't have any particularly gifted, like really gifted defenders anywhere else on the court. And I say that with all due respect to Quinn Grimes, who's a really nice young defender, got bullied several times tonight by bigger guards and wings that just took him into the post like it was nothing. And with all due respect to Josh Hart, who is, again, very good at what he does. But he is he is nobody's idea of a wing stopper. This team does not have a single plus defender on the roster. They are a small, other than Mitchell Robinson, they are a small team on the perimeter. They are built with a lot of guards. So in order for this defensive scheme to work, you need to have maximum effort. So when you play a team like this again, or like the Bucks, or one of the very few handful of teams that have this capability of having this level of firepower, you're, and you watch a game like this, you're like, well, they don't give a shit. They're not trying. No, it's not that they're not trying. If they gave the same level of effort against 20 to 25 other teams in the league tonight, they're, at the very least, they're in the game down the stretch. And they, I would say, given their how well they executed on offense for the vast majority of this game, they probably win it. Um, but that's not this team. That's you know that this is Boston. 
The other night it was Milwaukee. There are other teams of this level. And that gets to the bigger picture and why I think people are really frustrated, which is like these games are a reminder that we as the Knicks have to be perfect in order to be on the same court with these teams. When these teams are like even in the vicinity of their peak performance and a lot of time we're just going to look like we don't belong on the same court as them because that's the difference between a contender and a non-contender in the NBA um you know and it is incredibly frustrating and it does make you feel like man they're not trying hard enough and and again they did not try hard enough tonight I'm not trying to excuse that the, the effort was not there the requisite amount but again the reason the ex- the effort has to be there to that degree every night for them to have a chance, not every night for them to have a chance against this level of team is because they just don't have a defense equipped to deal with that level of firepowers. And yes, it is specifically to a large extent with a stretch five, it makes a big difference, but also just like forget the stretch five, forget the Porzingis of it all or the Brook Lopez of it all. These the Milwaukee and, and Boston, what they've assembled on offense with the amount of guys that they have that can pass at a high level or an elite level, shoot at a high level or an elite level, and move with the ball at a high level at an early, an, or an elite level. It's just, I don't want to shit on the scheme or shit on the, the way they play defense because go find me a defense in the NBA, say for maybe Minnesota, that is just going to be able to walk on the court against these elite offenses and be like, yep, we got this. Those don't exist anymore. This isn't the NBA of 20 years ago or even 15 or 10 years ago. So it's like, I'm kind of at a loss. Yes. Try harder. I hope they miss some shots next time, but like, what are you going to do? Um, And yes, within that conversation, there are, I'm, a handful or maybe more than a handful of more glaring examples of defense tonight where it's like, come on guys, what the fuck are you doing? Um, And you know what? In a game they lost by 10, maybe those handful of possessions are actually the difference in the game, Um, which again adds to the frustration. Offense was not the problem. I don't want to hear that offense was the problem. Um, Again, you score 122 points against, I would argue the best defense or one of the very, at least very least one of the best defenses in the league. Like they were doing a lot of good things. Was it perfect? No. Is it ever perfect? No. Was Julius, did he go back to being bad Julius in the third quarter, especially? Yes. I'm not going to shit on Julius tonight. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that do because what is a more fun pastime uh, for Knicks fans than shitting on Julius Randle? If you want to have at it, have at it. I'm not going to do it. Um, You know, and I guess the last thing I'll say And this goes to the defensive effort question thing, but it really goes to the larger picture. And and a lot of people have said different versions of this, that there is just something about the team this year that feels a little off. And I agree with that. And, you know, last year, I missed, you know, that, that utter disaster against the Mavs at home. When Tib, Tibbs told confidence, or at least one confident, that he thought he was going to get fired. Like, they found something in that what ended up being an eight-game winning streak. They found something. 
They found a grit. They found a toughness that they did not possess beforehand. And then when they traded for Josh Hart, then that was the spark. That was the the spark that ignited the fire that carried them into the second round of the playoffs. I wonder what is going to what is going to provide that spark because I don't see a trade coming in the next couple months. Uh, you know, I, I, they made the lineup move tonight. I don't that didn't really do it. Like they're just kind of. You watch them and you're like, man, this team went to another gear last year and they have not gone to that gear this year. So, yeah, I do wonder about that. What what can you know, what can get them to that gear? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not really worried about how they'll be fine moving forward. I know it's a tough month of December. They do have to play better. But like, again, this is. I, I get it. It's a, it's an incredibly frustrating night. I'm frustrated. I know it may not seem like it. This was, inc- I, I can't tell you how frustrating this viewing experience was for me. It was very frustrating. And then you look up and you're like, we lost by 10 in the Boston garden to a team that I, have they lost at home this year? Maybe they, at the beginning of the year, but like you lost on the road to the, probably the best team in basketball by 10 points. It, it so that's if, 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 if you're wondering why I'm not kind of losing my shit, that's, more or less the reason. Um, I don't think I have anything else. I, you know, I didn't really talk in depth about specific players, but I'll wait until people bring them up. I mean, j- briefly, uh, I didn't think it was a good Brunson game. Um, talked a little bit about Randall. That was a nice game for RJ Barrett. How about that? Let's end on a positive note. That was a nice game for RJ Barrett. I think it's the best RJ Barrett has looked over the course of an entire game. Uh, at least on offense, uh, since he came back from the migraines, uh, hit a couple threes, including an above the break three. That was nice to see. I thought he had some nice drives, some nice, some nice, a lot of light, nice stuff in the short mid range. Easily his best game all year in the from the short mid range, uh, and that's important because he needs to to do that stuff to be successful. Uh, you know, some not great defensive moments, a couple of not great shots around the rim, but I thought it was a really nice game from RJ. Um, you know, other than him, I, I, Grimes, we talked about Grimes. Good to see Grimes get going. Um, yeah. That's really all I got. How about Josh Hart with seven assists? It's pretty nice. Okay. Uh, let's get to, uh, and they fucking shot the ball well tonight. 50, 40, well, 74 from the line is not ideal, but, you know, let's see what people have to talk about because I'm up for whatever. I said my piece. All right, Drew P feels we like we were at a crossroad, clear team ceiling. Um, yeah, but again, I I don't know. I didn't need these two games to tell me that this team has a very definitive ceiling. Me personally, but that's me. Thanks, Drew. Gee Huber, then I'm sure it's about to bring some positivity. Something off about this year's team. We were better against these great teams last year. Uh, we're getting smacked around this year. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, I mean, again, I, it's it, it, this is where it gets into the nuance, right? I wrote this. Um, did I write this? I think I wrote this yesterday. I don't know. It all It's all running together at this point. By my metric, me personally, Jonathan Macri, I thought their first truly quality win of last year came in the middle of January in game 49 when they beat the Cavs um, on that great Hardenstein defensive play on Donovan Mitchell at the very end of the game. They had 
I forget, 26, 27 wins at the time. You go through each one. There were wins against good teams that were missing star players. Um, there were a lot of wins against bad or mediocre teams. They beat the Cavs uh, early on in the season in the infamous uh, game that set the record for NBA turnovers, where that was just very ugly. Um, it took them, you know, three months to get what I would call a quality win. And over the course of that time, they they got beaten by a lot of good teams. I I also think it's worth noting that in the NBA this year, I, I think there are in terms of great teams that are capable of doing what what that Boston team just did and what the Bucs did the other to us the other night. I know the Bucs didn't perform as well against the Pacers. I understand that's frustrating. Um there are the Bucs, there are the Celtics, there are the Nuggets. Honestly, offensively, I, I don't know that there's another team that has that level of firepower. And we've played those teams uh, five times now. You know, I, I look, I get it, it's frustrating, but it's yes, they need to find something. Something does seem a little off. I completely agree with you. I think it's it's a little unfair to expect them to to. It's it's not unfair to expect them to do better, but it's a tough it's a tough measuring stick. You know, that's but again, I have a certain view of the team. So thanks, you Huber. Appreciate you as always. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Next up, <laughs> Rob Delusu. What's going on, Rob? Sub KFS fam. I'm going to say it. The Knicks need a new head coach's voice on that bench. That's the answer. Lose, lose to two of the two of the three or four best teams in the league. I fire the coach. It's time. What are we waiting for? <laughs> I think the change the squad needs starts there. All love. Okay. Well, I think that's utterly ridiculous. I don't know what, you, what else you want me to say about it. I think it's a, I think it's a comment that doesn't water warrant uh, serious uh, analysis. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Ryan Huang, what's going on, Ryan? Uh, first time, long time. Not taking too much stock in two away games versus two of the top five offenses. Uh, but for all the IST success, this is a poor incentive for group wins. Hope Quentin Grimes gets confidence. Uh, Jalen Brunson JB interview was awesome. Uh, JB interview. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, I should probably know. Um, I'm sure I'll think of it. But uh, yeah, I hope Quentin Grimes gets uh, gets confidence as well. Um, and as far as the IST, do they need to change the incentive structure? Um, I mean, I proposed something today in, in the next film school newsletter that you can't, you can't have a, a playoff tiebreaker based on inclusion into the IST because you only, it's only four games, four preliminary games. That's, that's too unfair. Uh, to, to base the first playoff tiebreaker off of four games. I do think if you held it a little bit later in the season, which I understand could, could present some scheduling logistics issues, and you maybe played two teams in your, or uh, every team in your group twice instead of every team in your group once. So that's eight games. If you get to the IST based on your record in eight preliminary IST games, IST knockout round, whatever. Then could you get away with making inclusion into the IST being one of the final eight in the IST? Then could you get away with making it uh, the first playoff tiebreaker? I, I don't think that's nuts. I think that's a nice incentive. Um, so I would start there and see where we go. Thanks, Ryan. Robert Cross. Hello, Robert. Tibbs deserves a fair share of the blame for this loss. Of course. His approach to stretch fives over helping on defense. And why would he pull RJ in the fourth? Hashtag 53 wins. Um, I don't think that pulling RJ in the fourth made a bit of difference. Uh, the Celtics were firing on all cylinders. I like, I don't even know. I don't remember when he pulled RJ in the fourth. Like I didn't even cross my mind that he just brought it up. So that's how much I thought of him being uh, pulling RJ in the fourth. As far as his approach to stretch fives and overhelping on defense, um, I'll have some plays in Monday's Knicks Film School newsletter where I highlight what happens when you um, pay, when you like don't pay attention, when you or when you do pay attention to the stretch five. There's a play. Uh, it was in the third quarter, I think, when uh, someone was rolled unimpeded to the rim and had a dunk with nobody in the vicinity and Harnstein was attached to KP because KP had been bombing away so like what what was what he going to do? Porzingis didn't want to leave I think it was Brown in the corner. RJ didn't dig off of uh, I forget who the hell he was was guarding and uh, it was it was a wide open layup because uh, whoever it was got past Jalen Brunson on the screen like and there I could point to a handful of other plays like you have to pick your poison against these teams. 
slash you have to try really fucking hard and you have to be on your cross your T's and dot your I's and like it's the only way you're gonna have a prayer against these offenses. You know, I, I know you, you, Robert, you don't like to accept the fact that the Knicks are a second-class team in the NBA. But that's what a first-class team looks like. They just, they throw stuff at you that if they're if they're hitting on all cylinders, like, you're, honestly, it doesn't really matter what the fuck you do. Unless, unless you have a sort of defense that could switch everything one through five and you don't have a six foot, nothing point guard and you don't have a bunch of guards in your lineup who you depend on, um, who could just get bullied by the Jason Tatum's and Jalen Brown's and drew holidays and Derek whites of the world. Like they're fucking ragdolls. It's not a great matchup, you know? So I don't know what to tell you, bud. <laughs> Thanks. Busy. Credit tips for making a change and it working for both players. There we go. A little praise for the uh, head coach. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, DiVincenzo and Grimes switching for another. And also, I want to give credit to Quentin Grimes before the game. He was, I guess they got a quote from him and he was like, yeah, I think it's the right move. Does Quentin Grimes believe it's the right move? Of course he doesn't believe it's the right move, but he said he he did. I give a lot of credit to a young player for saying the right thing uh, when the microphone's in front of his face. Thanks, Busy. Colin Reardon, what's going on, Colin? Can count on one hand the amount of tough shots the Celtics took tonight. Team needed some oomph. Um, don't know who or where, but it's just stale. Uh, it might get ugly. Again, I don't think it's going to get ugly. I think you're going to see. I mean, look, December's tough. They're going to play. I mean, they're going to play the Bucks again a couple times. Uh, I don't think they play the Celtics again. I fucking hope they don't play the Celtics again. Uh, it's a tough schedule. It's absolutely a tough schedule. But. I don't think you can judge what they're going to do against like a normal tough schedule versus what they did in, in these games. These games are against a different animal. Again, when these teams are playing like this, um, I will co-sign the thing about the tough shots. Next in it, you, you try to, you try to cake, have your cake, you need it too. And you get neither. And the Knicks were trying to, again, they were trying to stay in their base scheme to a certain extent and just make it work. And if you don't give, a, I'm a broken record, if you don't give maximum effort and you don't execute properly, that base scheme is not going to work against this team when this team is on point and they were on point tonight. Thank you, Colin. Busy with another one. Busy. Incredibly generous. Um, thank you. Um, now that that's out of the way, why did it take? Why did it take for Grimes to be moved to the bench for him to call plays for him? That's what's so frustrating about this coach. Like everyone on the team isn't talented enough to create um, their. I don't. Well, so. I, I don't know if there's another comment coming, but I'll, I'll start. Oh, yeah. Their own shots. Sometimes you got to actually do your job and call plays for them. Busy. I'm going to push back a little bit because how did Grimes get going? He fired. When he got the ball, he fired away. Didn't hesitate. Put the He put it up and he had shots to his credit. There were a couple of times he put the ball on the floor. Uh, I, I, I a couple of times it went well. I could also think of a couple of times it went pretty poorly. 
Like a couple of turnovers. I, I don't know how many turnovers he was actually credited with. I could think of if two distinct instances where Grimes tried to like quote unquote make a play and it ended poorly. Yeah, he finished with two turnovers. Like, you know, he he's not great at finishing at the rim when there's contact nearby or when the, when there's resistance nearby. Um, I I think he got more opportunities to some extent, because I do think they made it a point to find him like that. I think you can hundred percent say they made more of a point to find him and get him the opportunity to make looks, but he took advantage of that. Um, I don't know. I'll go back and watch. Like, I don't think they called plays for Grimes tonight. If they did, I, I'll happily admit that I was wrong. I'm sure maybe I, there were one or two, but like, I don't think that's it. I think Grimes, I think Grimes went off tonight because Grimes was like, you know, if I'm not going out like this. And he made it a point to to make it make himself felt, make himself a presence in this game. That was the bigger thing for me. Um, as an aside, why wouldn't they call plays for Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup? Because you got Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, who are two all-star caliber players, and RJ Barrett, who a lot of people seem to think is an all-star caliber player. And and Grimes is very decidedly fourth on the totem pole. When he's a, alongside just RJ and quickly and Hart, it's like okay, well now your skill set is is a little bit more worth tapping into because we're not sacrificing possessions in which we're calling if we're running it through Brunson or through Randall. That's how I read the situation, at least. It's like you know, you go down, you go down with your best guys, and I I, I agree. There's a balance that needs to be achieved. You know, like. You, you got to, if you're asking a guy to defend his ass off on the other end and guard the other team's best player every night. Yeah. You got to make sure he gets some, get some shots and get some possessions. Even if it, it those might not be the best play. If it's going to keep your guy engaged, then do it. It's worth it. I would guess that they envisioned when they planned this team out that getting Grimes a half a dozen good, solid catch and shoot opportunities. Every game was not going to be a problem, was not going to be something that they needed to scheme for. And what has happened over the last seven games before tonight was like, oh, shit. Well, I guess we did. I guess we guessed wrong. Um, And I think tonight showed a possible answer, which is good. Thank you, Busy. Dom the dentist. It was all good just a week ago. Listen, a week from now, you know, who do they play? I don't even know. I know they play the, the Raptors and then they play the Jazz and then what do they head to? Then they head to Phoenix um, next Friday night. So, listen, they go 3 0 in the next three games. This will be a distant memory. Like, it's a good team. They're going to win games. They're going to win games against good teams. I guarantee you the Knicks are going to win good, solid games against good, solid teams. Be fine. Thanks, Dom. Robert Cross, one more time. For the love of God, no more drop coverage against stretch fives. Okay. You know what, Robert? Why don't you devise a defensive game plan that is going to work better with the Knicks personnel? I look forward to your DM with that idea. I have nothing else to say. Uh, exhibition continues. What's going on? Exhibition continues. Thank you for the generous donation. Uh, first time, long time. I know he'd come out with some extra something given the circumstances, but 
Grimes looked more comfortable with the second unit. More free-flowing offense and willing passers allows for rhythm shots versus Julius Randle hand grenades. Uh, yeah, Randle threw another hand grenade, hand grenade, hand grenade tonight um, that led to a shot clock violation. Um, I, I do want to acknowledge Randall had some god awful offensive possessions tonight. Truly atrocious, but I just guy's been really good. And uh, he, he also, by the way, the Celtics also had no answer for him for a lot of this night. And so that's the other reason I kind of don't want to kill him. Brunson did not have it going tonight at all. And the Knicks needed to get off runs from somewhere. And like, again, Randall had some brutal ones, but like he also was a battering ram and an effective battering ram for a lot of this game. Um, so I want to keep it measured. Anyway, that's not your, that's not what your super chat is about. Uh, yeah. Uh, the offense is more free flowing. The offense uh, does have more willing passes. I, I think you could argue, I mean, just like Josh Hart, like, you know what the Knicks don't have in their starting five. They don't have a connector. And I don't know that every team in the NBA has a connector in the starting five, or at least not just the connector, but like, it's always nice when you have a guy who, in addition to doing other stuff, is just like, I am cool connecting the dots. The Knicks do not have that. They have nobody like that. Because God knows Brunson, Randall, and RJ are not connectors. And like Grimes isn't a connector. Hart is kind of a connector. So he's not a great passer, but he's a good connector. Hardenstein, one of the best passing bigs in the game, which then leaves you with, with RJ and quickly who... Part of my misgiving about putting Grimes in the second unit in the first place was I was like, really? Are those guys going to be the ones passing him the ball? Tonight, they did well enough. You know, um, let's hope it continues. He was definitely more comfortable. I just think the pressure was off a little bit because it's like, like what else could happen? Like you've lost your job. Like they're not going to demote. They're not going to like bench him, bench him. They're not going to like, like, I saw people, a few people suspecting they might uh, play like Deuce with pride over him or something. Like, that was never going to happen. So, you know, what's the now at this point? It's like, what's the worst that can happen? So, I think he played a little bit free and free and free and clear with his mind. Haitian Ferg, what's going on, man? Very rare, lackluster effort in the on um, definitely on defense. Two straight nights. Agree. We did play two great teams, but I feel like they're lacking discipline on defense. We look disjointed. That's a great word for it. That's a great word. I, I texted uh, our text thread earlier tonight, and I was there was a it was in the beginning of the third quarter, I think, and I was like, they. I don't think they've had one like purposeful defensive possession tonight where it's like we know exactly what we want to do, and like we are on the offensive on defense, right? The Knicks at no point tonight did it feel like they were on the offensive on the defensive end. And again, I, as you say, Harrison, I want to honor the fact that I, I, I just, I, I called this team a few minutes ago, maybe the best defense in the league. I also think they might be the best offense in the league when Porzingis is out there, especially, I mean, their net rating of their starters is what it is. It's not, a, it's that it's, it's a real number, even though it looks like a fake number. Um, there's a reason this starting lineup is blowing out everybody, not just the Knicks. They're blowing out everybody. So um, it's tough to be on the offensive against that, but still, man, like they were so on their heels and 
Yeah. It just didn't bring it. Didn't bring it enough. Not tonight. Not against this team playing like this. Thanks, Haitian. As always, I always appreciate you, man. Juanon, what's going on, Juanon? Forget Cole. I hope someone drops a deuce in Adam Silver's Christmas stocking. There we go. The real, the real villain, Adam Silver. I like it. Um, the scheduling is trash. Almost as maddening as watching your power forward get six turnovers and shoot into double teams. Again, he had some rough possessions. It was not his best night. I, 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 I feel feel particularly leery killing Randall tonight. Dude's been really, really good for a little while now, and he just had an incredible game. So, you know, Brunson, I, I honestly, this, I'll be curious what Benji's grades are when he comes out with them tomorrow or Sunday, whenever he comes out with his grades. I think there's an argument that on balance, Randall was better than Brunson tonight. I thought Brunson was particularly poor on defense. Randall was poor also. But I thought Brunson was particularly poor on defense. And he wasn't generating. He didn't get anything going on, on offense. Randall, at least, again, for stretches of this game, was like the best thing the Knicks had going on offense. And for other stretches, he was not. Thanks, Juna. Drazov, I think you changed your picture. Uh, at least the Yankees landed Juan Soto. Uh, yes, I, I understand the Yankees uh, fans are very happy about that. So congratulations to them. Uh, question for KFS fam. Wait, well, hold on. There was a question. The question for the KFS fam. Best and worst Christmas song. Oh, that's a fantastic question. I'll answer mine now. I, I don't I don't want to. Um, I think it's a great. I, we should all answer that. Maybe Andrew can, can spearhead an effort to get everybody to answer that at, at various points in time. Uh, my favorite Christmas song, I think... Um, man, I have a call. It's still tough to pick one. The the Paul McCartney song. I think it's called "Wonderful Christmas Time." I love that song. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with the Carol of the Bells, uh, by the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Uh, it's the song that when my wife and I at our wedding reception, we we because we got married in December. Uh, we we walked out to that, so I, it's just it's the coolest song in the world. Um, and worst, my God, there's so many terrible ones. It this isn't the worst, but I could go the rest of my life without hearing "Last Christmas" by Wham. Probably it's not, it's not the worst, but that's that's probably what what comes to mind. There are some trash Christmas songs that have come out over the last few years. I don't even know what they are because they're so bad. Thanks, Drazov. Uh, Vaz Kalo, what's going on, Vaz? RJ's best game since the migraines. Agree, and he sat the majority of the fourth quarter. Tibbs' minute distribution is very difficult to fathom sometimes. Um, I think he sticks with his rotations for the most part. I, I, I now you're going to make me look up when when RJ actually got subbed out of the game because I'm curious. Because again, full disclosure, when he left, didn't even didn't even cross my mind. I I thought he was having a nice game. I did not think that whatever he was doing was like, oh my God, how can they take RJ out of the game at this point in time? Um, so RJ went out. I'm looking now. So he entered the game when it was a 10-point game with 313 left. 
he went out obviously earlier than that. Um, I am. Why am I not seeing this? It's just, they. It didn't. It doesn't look like it shows up on the on the ESPN play by play because at seven fifty nine in the fourth quarter, RJ made a layup to make it one sixteen one oh six. So he made it a ten point game. Oh, and then Brunson came in. Okay, so Brunson came in and it was one eighteen one oh six because Brown had made the layup uh, to make it a twelve point game. So like. So Brown comes in, or excuse me, Brunson comes in. So it's Brunson, quickly, uh, Grimes, Hart, and Hardenstein. Yeah, I mean, sure you could. So who else could you you want you want Brunson back in that game? Who else could you have taken out? My guess, my guess is what and what he was doing. Because again, I think Brunson had or RJ had his best offensive game of the of the since the migraines. Did not think he was particularly good on defense. Um, is that he wanted Brunson with his three best perimeter defenders, and then obviously Hardenstein because Mitch was was apparently not playable in an effort to try to toe the line between defense and offense. That's my guess. Um, you know. Because clearly nothing else was working defensively. So, like, maybe Grimes quickly and Hart, the three of those guys together in terms of their perimeter defense. Because, I mean, in fairness, in response to your comment, just playing a little devil's advocate, 75% of the comments tonight about how trash their defense was. So, game's getting close in the fourth quarter. Maybe, Maybe you want your best three perimeter defenders out there at the same time. And again, they they did kind of succeed in limiting that. Like they made the Celtics sweat. Like that's the thing. They made the Celtics sweat for a little bit there. Um, for that stretch, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So Brown makes the free throw. At, when RJ comes into the game at the 7:39 mark, Brown makes the free throw at 7:39. The Celtics did not score again. Until 4.35 left. So the Celtics went three minutes and 20 seconds without scoring a basket. Do you think that maybe, maybe it had a little something to do with who was on the floor for the Knicks in terms of perimeter defense? Just, just throwing that out there. And then White hit a shot and then two free throws and then the next shot. So they scored four points over the course of six minutes. A Celtics team with the which was was running a fucking layup line for forty three minutes tonight, forty or uh, forty two minutes, forty one minutes, whatever it is, scored four points over a six minute stretch because the Knicks kind of tightened the, the the screws a little bit on defense. RJ was out of the game. I you know I don't know what you want me to tell you. 